from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 875, Team Metrics with guest Angela Dugan, recorded Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Today, my guest is Angela Dugan, who is the Director of Strategic Engagement at 3Cloud. She brings together strong execution, strategic vision, and a voice of the customer to enhance key strategic and operational capabilities. I don't know if this sounds like real work. Didn't you used to have a real job, Angela? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I don't have a real job. I just made it sound real important. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but you've you've been in IT for, for, for forever. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 20, 24 years now. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Huh? You mean how did the 24 years go by? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I got to be the same age as old people. Like what, how did that happen? Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Well, we did a show together uh, in 21, at the end of 21. I think we actually recorded it in November Yeah. and I published it in, uh, in December with your associate or maybe former associate now, Sarah Caldwell. She's still my associate. That's We're awesome. on different teams now, but okay. we still work together. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this was all pandemic era conversation. So we were talking yeah. about adaptability quotient and just this sort of transformation of work. And I think it ties very much into the conversation I expect us we're going to have today. But one of the comments on that show was from a long time listener, Ron Falanga, uh, and I have communicated for years. I don't know how many mugs he has, but he's about to get another one. Uh, <laughs> And, and Rod said, uh, today I finished listening to this episode and I really enjoyed it. There's a lot I'd like to comment on, but I'll restrict myself to the issues the three of you discussed at the end of the episode, which was how companies and organizations might move forward from the pandemic as it winds down. I live in a state where prior to the pandemic, all employers were adamantly opposed to letting any of their employees work from home. They'd never say why, leaving it all to their employees to speculate as to the reasons. Many people I know work at various places around my state. I'll agree that the one of the reasons was that management doesn't trust their employees, either to work from home or to get anything done. And the pandemic proved that expectation to be wrong. And so now 20 months of work from home have proved that we can be productive. In fact, more productive. I suspect that at least my employer is going to want us back to the office at some point. Uh, I, I don't even need to read the rest of this because you know I, I, we have the vet, we have the advantage of hindsight now, right? This is Rod in in late twenty one, and here we are in early twenty three, and I think he basically nailed it that we more than anything the pandemic and the work from home movement showed the weakness in management. Yes, that people know what to do, and and given <laughs> a, a little bit of tooling can get it done. But uh, can the leadership measure it in a way that makes them comfortable? Yeah, no, agreed. I, you know, like I, I used to have a much less generous way of talking about it. I'm trying to be polite here, Angela. I'm, I am Canadian after all. I honestly, I used to say like, that's just a sign of poor management, mm. right? If they feel like they can't trust their workers to get things done. And a lot of things that people would measure by default was what I call lazy metrics. Yeah. They were easy, yeah. easy to measure. Um, but the thing that I also found once I moved into people management 
is the things that are easy to measure are also really easy to game. Yeah. True <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, you know, I end up, I ended up looking a lot at metrics, like between being a people manager, I'm not a people manager in my current role, but we still have to constantly, you know, measure things to, to see how our experiments are going. Like, it's funny, you know, the, the, the joke you made, like, do you, do you even do real work? Sometimes like I, it's hard to feel yeah. like I'm doing real work because so much of it is an experiment. Well, let's try that. Let's yeah. see what happens. Let's try that. Let's see what happens. Um, and it makes it really complicated sometimes to, to, to know because you don't get that short feedback. It's not like a day later. And I can tell you whether like, you've got to lean in on something for a few sure. weeks before you while. know it. Yeah, it takes a while. Hey, Rod, uh, thanks for being a great listener to the show. And I always appreciate your feedback. And yet another Run As Mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Run As Radio <laughs> mug, write a comment on the website at runasradio.com or on Facebook or LinkedIn. I read all the comments there as well. And if I read it on the show, I'll send you a mug. You know, the nature, you talk about the pan- effects of the pandemic. Arguably, I think managers suffered the most. Because they were the ones whose, you know, their goal is to lift other people up, to actually help their team be successful. And so they spent all of their time on calls. And because you're sitting at your desk, you don't have to physically go to a meeting. There were no breaks between. Like we eventually learned, you better leave 10 minutes between each of these meetings, at least to make some notes or the meeting will evaporate and try and and, and get a little more auspicious about it. I've also noticed that we started, I started getting emails, you know, within a few months where it's like, if I just agree to these things that I suspect we're going to talk about, can we skip this meeting? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. I thought I was going to spend a half hour persuading you, but, it, but if just the threat of a meeting is enough to get the results we need, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, another thing that I found interesting was it, it also got to a point where I feel like meetings almost got to be – too focused on productivity. Like it got to a point where I think I I get it. I get that people hate meetings because a lot of times meetings are a waste, right? It could have been an email and you're not actually trying to get to outcomes in the meeting. But what I did notice was with one-on-ones, people were so used to like meetings being like, we're going to get in and we're just going to dive in on work. And that's all we're going to talk about that when we shifted that to being the only way that we met with the people who reported to us and who we reported to, right? Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I also report up to someone like we had to make a very intentional effort to make sure that those meetings brought humanness into it. Right. So I would always have an icebreaker question in every meeting where we'd spend the first five minutes, even if it was only a 25 minute meeting, the first five minutes would be like, Hey, tell me, you know, give me a one word check in. How are you feeling today? Right. And it yeah. didn't have to be work focused. It could also be the personal stuff. And it, and for me, right, we may have talked about this when I was in the meeting last. Like I'm an extrovert. I love connecting with people, especially in person. Mm-hmm. And I had a really hard time with the pandemic. And and I found that when we moved, when we got acquired by 3Cloud, right, it was mm-hmm. remote first, all remote. Right. You don't have offices to go to. Um, I found that that was the thing that helped me really learn to love remote because I now have team members all over the United States, right? Polaris, where I was before, was very small, geographically concentrated. I could see everyone that reported to me in person without too much effort. Um, I had to learn how to pivot that in a way that would feel just as authentic, right? And just as human, even though it was entirely remote. 
So that was a really interesting way to pivot that meeting, right? Some of some of what you're quote unquote measuring in those meetings is, you know, that employee's personal satisfaction. What is their NPS for the company and for me as a manager? And so sometimes you had to measure it with things that you couldn't grab from Jira or Azure DevOps. It was just no, I, I, give give me a one word check in or a number, right? Something I can use to gauge how you're feeling. Even through the screen to be able to look you in the eye and just see like, how is your mental state? How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. For a while there in the early stages, I was doing more casual coffees, like no agenda. I'm getting a cup of coffee. Why don't you get a cup of coffee? You know, let's just hang out online and, and we'll chat a bit. But eventually, I think we got to a point where we were so burned out on screens mm-hmm. that that was, a, that was a punishment. I actually had one meeting convert to a dog walk where the, 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 the person I needed to meet with is like, is there any chance we could do this by cell? I got to walk my dog. And I'm like, holy man, I got to walk my dog too. And then that became a routine thing was we got out with our dogs at the same time. We were, you know, with the earbuds in, walking our dogs and doing and and talking shop. But having just your ears involved and moving around was, we were tired of screens. Yeah. I And I love that because I remember the first time the, you know, my, my manager at the time ever suggested that he's like, Hey, can we have a walk and talk? And I was like, what? You're in St. Louis. And he was like, you know, just throw in your earbuds, walk the dog or whatever. Cause he knew I had a dog. Um, and that became pretty normal. The only thing we ended up pinning to it, um, was I said, all right, we can absolutely do walk and talks. I'd love it, but I have one boundary I'm going to communicate, which is we cannot agree to any follow-ups that require me to write something down (laughs) because you don't want to have a walk and talk and be like, remember we were talking about you doing that. And you're like, well, at the time I was four blocks from home and trying to cross the street with my dog. Like you can't, you have to make sure you're not going to be held accountable for remembering specifics. Yeah. I think we talked about this. Do you agree? Like, You've got to make an evidence trail. Don't count 100%. on what was said in a walk and talk. It's not fair. Yeah, 100%. But God, I love a walk and talk, especially when the weather's nice, which is only about four months of the year yeah. in Chicago. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it doesn't get that cold in Vancouver, but it rains a lot. Yeah. But as, yeah. as the Norwegians like to remind me, there is no bad weather, only bad clothing. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. So if you load up on the Gore-Tex, you could go out. To the, well, if you're not going to go out in the rain in Vancouver, you're not going to go out. <laughs> So right. <laughs> you don't really have a choice. So we're, I mean, we're coming up on the three-year mark, right? Like this is, this shows out in March. It was March of 2020 when everything shut down. And here we are in 2023. Everybody's cameras and microphones are better. Uh, and I think we're a little more careful about meetings in general. Uh, I want to reference Rod's thing. Like I still see a lot of people just working from home or maybe one day a week in the office. Uh, but also lots of conversation manager about what is that day a week for? Because in some ways it feels like a less productive day. Not only you sacrifice however much commute time in and out, but also, you know, you've got a workflow in your home office now that's probably pretty efficient. If you're just going to do that work from the office, it seems silly. The reason to go in is to collaborate, to, to be face to face. Yeah. And I think that's hard because I think, I don't know if this happened to everyone. I certainly know what happened to us, not just the nature of of the company I work for now, but a lot of companies took advantage of the pandemic to say like, now there's no borders within which we have to hire, right? We can hire people from all the various states, um, which means now when you go into the office, like quote unquote, like I know for us, 
we only have maybe five or six offices across the United States, mm-hmm. but we have 750 employees. Most of them don't live within driving distance of any of our offices. So, you know, I went into the office Tuesday of this week um, expecting to see anybody. Right. And it just happened to be one of those days where nobody came in. Wow. And I just remember like personally being a little bummed because I, I love the accident. I'm like, I didn't know you were going to be here today. Hey, let's sit down and talk about that thing that we keep emailing about and just hash it out. But that is a challenge with offices like ours, where everyone's consultants, they're out of clients. There's not much you can collaborate on without getting on an airplane these days. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. And I, I do kind of miss the days when you could be like, hey, I'm going to go into the office and like 15 people could show up and you could really collaborate and get some stuff done. But it's a your mileage may vary, right? It's going to depend on the geography of how, you know, of everyone you work with. Well, it's also a question of how many people moved. Like, it's not even that you hire people further afield. It's that folks that used to live in the city moved out of the city because the city wasn't Uh providing any advantages uh, and and a number of disadvantages. And so now you may have originally had local employees, but now your local employees are further from the office. Yeah, absolutely. Or in different states, we had a number of people move out of Chicago. They moved to Austin. They moved to Colorado. They moved to Minneapolis. Like, there was no reason for them to have to be in Illinois anymore. So, yeah. How do you measure the productivity of these folks now? Like, what what are the metrics that a manager is looking at? I mean, it's all – I get the FaceTime, like, how are people doing? But how do you know they're doing good work? Right. So, honestly, so I, we're a consulting firm. Mm-hmm. So, when, when I was managing folks up until a couple months ago, like, I really had just a few things I looked at, right? I looked at utilization. That's one of those – easy metrics to just say like, hey, are they are they able to put the time in at the clients that we expect them to? But again, that's one of those metrics. I mean, I guess you could game it, but at that point you're like, gaming it would be billing for time you're not doing, which we don't, that's not a thing that I imagine people are doing. But that was like the first proxy for productivity was like, what is their utilization percentage? But really the thing I was more interested in is part of, part of people submitting their time cards if you're at a client you also answer a couple of questions about what are your perceptions of the client's happiness with the with the work that you're doing there, right? And yes, of course, it could be biased, right? Because you're saying, how do, how do I think they feel about me? But then we also had account executives talking to clients right. to find out their satisfaction. So you can compare and, and have like those real conversations if there were big misses, but you know, we didn't find that either. We also asked people what their own satisfaction was with the work they were doing. And that was a really important metric to me because to me, like productivity isn't just about butts and seats and how many hours it's, do you feel like you're doing your highest and best work? Do you feel truly engaged and passionate? Because if they do, the out the good outcomes just come naturally, right? Happy people make make good products and deliver great experiences is is kind of the oversimplified way that I think about that. I think that's probably largely the metrics. And then probably the last one, and this is kind of a big thing to think of for a metric, but we also had quarterly, we call them rocks, quarterly rocks that everyone would commit to. And they didn't have to be big, right? Like Hey, I just joined the team, right? I've got a lot. I don't have a lot of experience with Azure DevOps as a tool. So I'm going to focus this quarter on really getting proficient with this aspect of it to the point where I could lead a conversation in a lunch and learn. Great. I can measure that. It's got positive outcomes. It supports you delivering better at a client and feeling more capable of what you're doing at the client. So, you know, that was probably the most important thing that we measured in terms of productivity because. 
you know, it was something that was really meaningful to the person, relevant to the business, something that we could check in on every week, but they had a whole quarter to really kind of make a big impact on something. So I thought I love that. That's really cool. And I got to take a break for one moment for this really important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by the Humanitarian Toolbox. Humanitarian Toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations. One of the leading projects called Two Weeks Ready helps individuals, families, and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones. HDBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HTBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Angela Dugan. And we're talking a little bit about evaluating teams when they're largely remote. And I, I mean, I get what you're saying initially. It's like, hey, timesheets are a thing. And that is a pretty good measure, especially when you're billing out of the work they're done. And then I like this check-in mechanism. Are you happy with the work? Do you think your customer's happy with the work? And then also check with the customer. Are you happy with the work? Are you happy with the person doing it? And just seeing how big the spread is between those two things. The thing I really enjoyed was like, you know, so the team that reported to me, they were they were all of our agilists, right? So agile right. coaches, scrub masters, product owners. And part of their job is being really in tune with the customer, with the team. Um, and I found that there was there was a lot of candidness about is my client happy with the work we're doing? And I loved that because when we had our one on ones, I could pop up the report real quick before we met that could show me a trend line like hey, it looked like you were five out of five stars. And then like last month, we had a dip to three out of five, like help me understand what happened. And sometimes it would be like, oh, well, we had a big release and something went wrong and we couldn't get the product out on time. And so the client wasn't happy, right? And so we're, we're kind of digging ourselves out of that hole. And it was great because it's like that point in time shift wasn't a measure on them as a human, right? Or on their ability as a, as a consultant, but it helped me understand like, oh, Great. Help me understand what happened because maybe there's something bigger we can dig in on so we can get you back up to a, a four or a five because things are running smoothly. You can also imagine it depends on the customer. Like some customers react very adversely to any problem where some are, you know, more in the space of I, I, I know there's going to be problems. I care about how you respond to them. Yes. And you got to kind of know the two. It's like if anything goes wrong, you're automatically a three. It ain't you. It's them, right? Or, right. Or it's somebody who normally it's like, did we not respond well? I also got to think if they're feeling if they got some confidence, it's like this is also a good way to ask for help. Like did, that, this customer is being difficult, and maybe I'm not the right person anymore. Like you're in a particular place where. It's a good point to say, do we need to bring someone else in? Do you need some additional support? Yes. And and the important thing there was was all about the mindset that I took into it, right? I didn't see a dip in a number as something to berate them for, right? right. That was when I got curious and said, hey, I, I, I see a dip. Help me understand what's happening. And then I was like, thank you, right? Thank you for letting me know that, right? Because maybe I need to help the account executive have a, have a hard conversation, or maybe you need some help understanding how to use some tool. It never felt like anyone was being punished. It's, you know, it's this whole thing like facts are friendly, even if you don't like what they're telling you, right? So dig in on what it is, be curious. And as long as you're grateful for it and people don't feel like they have to be afraid of your reaction, they're going to continue to be honest, which is really the better thing because as soon as people have fear, right, they start not telling you the truth. 
Sure. It takes a lot longer to find out something went wrong and then you're really digging out of a hole. So I don't ever want that to be the feeling that someone has about it. Don't weaponize the data. Like you should both yeah. be on the same side looking over the data saying, I didn't think that <laughs> yes. happened. Let's that's I love that way. the same side is correct, yeah. right? Like you have to imagine you're sitting at a table together, scratching your head, going, Wow, that's really interesting. Like, let's figure this out together. Cause it's it's a problem for you to solve together, right? right? It's not that person is not a problem, right? That that is a problem you need to solve together. So I, I love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before the break, you also mentioned, I think a sort of personal development element to that, that this quarterly rock, it's like, and I, you know, a lot, I, I can't tell you how many times I get an email, both on this show, as well as on Donnet Rocks from a listener saying, I never have time to learn new things. Like I, I appreciate the idea that if you build in some learning times, it's, it's a mutual commitment, right? You're helping them grow. Uh, they're put a, put out some additional effort. I just wonder how it fits time wise. Yeah. And that can be tough. Like the thing that we often end up negotiating on is we'll have a real honest conversation about like, is this something you feel like you can fit in with your client obligations? Mm. Because sometimes it's easy. They're like, oh yeah, like I have to leverage this technology on this project anyway. So it's, it's on the job learning, right? So that's the easiest scenario, but sometimes that's not the case. It's like, this has nothing to do with the client I'm on right now, but I know I will need it for the next client. And so then we just have a conversation of like, Hey, are you the kind of person who likes to like read at night and on the weekends? Or do we need to figure out a way to get you some time during the week? Because it is a consulting firm, right? Sure. We, we do need people to, to billing get, hours matter. Billing hours matter. And so sometimes we just ended up having to figure out like what's a compromise? Like maybe once a month we can carve out some time or but what we would try to figure it out. Cause at the end of the day, it's still got to be reasonable what what we're asking. Sure. Yeah. What about a class or a conference? Classes and conferences can be good. It really depends on the person. Right. Um, like I'm the kind of person who, I mean, you know, you met me at a conference, right? Like we, I love conferences, but conferences are not where I go to learn. For me, conferences are right where I go to A, to like meet awesome people that yeah. I want to like have in my career circle. But it's also where I get ideas for things that I might want to learn because you know, you're going to spend 45 minutes, maybe an hour nerding out on some very uber specific topic. And that's enough for me to go, huh, I might want to buy some books and invest more time in this. Or, yeah, you know what? That's cool, but it's not for me. I'm glad I saw this because now I won't invest any more time in it. So that, for me, that's what it is. Because that's useful information too, right? To know yeah. I should pick up this tech. You can't learn a technology in an hour talk. You can only learn that you want to know more about it or that it's not yes. going to fit with what you're doing with it. So it's kind of that buffet, yeah. but that's not, I mean, I, I'm always concerned with folks who say, well, I'm going to, I want to go to the conference to learn this. It's like, yeah, yeah, I think you want to position that. I also uh, have seen folks, and I think this is very reasonable to do. I'm going to this conference because I know this expert's there and I want to drill into this problem. Like to come yeah. with a list yeah. of difficult problems to solve that are around the show, but not actually the show. Yeah, that can be really interesting, too. Like, I've attended conferences where they might have a full-day workshop up front where you're like, you can legit spend a whole day with an expert learning, and then the rest of the conference becomes, now let's see all the peripheral stuff around that that you may want to dig more on. But I also know a lot of people who really don't like conferences, right? They might prefer online training, something like, you know, Pluralsight or Udemy or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, and some people, I mean, it's harder to find classroom stuff, but there are people who still try if you know seek out classroom stuff too so that's one of those where like you can't be prescriptive it's really no. understanding how a person learns best and what's going to motivate them to dig in and then figuring out what you have time and budget for 
Yeah, and I, I wonder if in-person is not going to make a comeback right now. Like, I've definitely, you know, I spent all my time looking at, at smart people doing their thing. And there's a bunch of folks that are pushing on instructor-led training again. Like, I think they wanted to get back in the classroom as much as people would are ready to try another learning mode. Like, I don't want to look at any more screens. <laughs> I'm looking for alternative. But I... You know, part of this, we were talking about the team metrics part is like, are you actually putting the onus on folks to say, hey, each quarter, I want you to learn something. It's part of you being successful at the job. Yeah, absolutely. That is something that we ask for. And the thing is, it's not always a technical skill, right? right. Sometimes it is, right? Oh, hey, I want to learn more about Azure DevOps, or I want to know how to do, how to write Azure functions. But I've also had people who their learning commitment was, I really don't have a lot of confidence when I'm put on the spot to like share an opinion about how the team should do something. And we would go, great. What can we do to help you learn how to convey more confidence? So some of it is, you know, speaking communication skills. Some of it is managing up, right? They, they're not sure how to work with a leader level person at a project, they're having trouble communicating. And so it could be how to manage up. I mean, there's lots of things that can increase your ability to be, to have it, have the impact you want to have, to be happy in your role. It's just kind of seeking out what those things are and sometimes thinking beyond the technical, because I think people assume like, oh, I'll go get a cert or I'll you know, take this plural site course. And sometimes those aren't the things that you need. Well, that almost feels like gamification too. It's like, I'm just going to check this box because you expect me to do it each quarter. Right. Like my, my question then is like, what's a good measure to know that they've nailed that rock down that quarter? Like, do you have to teach it? Is there, is there? You don't have, yeah, you don't have to teach it, but I usually ask for some form of demonstration, which could even be, I don't have to be there, right? At this point, the hope is, you know, I built up trust with them. I don't think they're going to come to me and just tell me they did something when they didn't. Right. So I will, I will ask them to like, Hey, tell me what that looked like. Like what, what was the context that that was in? And it could be like, Oh yeah. Like we had this big sprint readout and I was put on the spot to do the presentation and this is what happened. And this is what I learned. And that's, I actually love that way more than looking at a metric. Like there, you can see the pride, like you can tell, like you don't need to see a dashboard to know if they hit that goal or not. Yeah, the paper exam is not the good measure. The The effect of the people and how they talk about stuff, I think, is is pretty powerful for knowing that they've really developed that way. How do you feel about the sort of new wave of tools that's coming down the pipe? I'm thinking about the, the Microsoft's Viva uh, tooling, which I think is really a way for them to package up the fact that, in theory, as a manager, you have a, you have a visibility into every document, every email, like everything that they touch in M365, but they, they package it up in a friendly name like Viva to make it less creepy. <laughs> they turned that on uh, about a year ago at 3Cloud, and I remember the first time I got it being a little weirded out by it, but then for me personally... I actually started to appreciate some of the things that it would do, right? So it's kind of like sometimes you got to keep the good and get rid of the rest. Um, one of the things I loved the most is it would say, man, you were in a lot of meetings last week and I noticed you have a three-hour block on Wednesday. Would you like to block that for focus time? And it was like, why, yes, I would love to do that. Thank you. <laughs> so I, there, there is some good to that too, honestly. Yeah, I, I think they've done a good job. And you really get the sense that this is a tool that Microsoft's using internally and then also selling. Yeah, yeah. That they've done a good job of making it feel empowering rather than being scrutinized. Right. And I honestly, I think some with the, like, I don't know if this is 
if, if this is more like a confirmation bias thing or if this is really true. But I feel like the level of asynchronous communication went through the roof when we started to be remote. I think that's right. just a natural outcome. Um, and because of that, one thing I've noticed about me personally is I struggle with that, right? I, you know, I'll have 82 conversations, sometimes probably literally 82, going on in teams where people are actively asking me to make decisions. And I'm like, I don't remember which ones I've answered or we make the decision. And then I'm like, what day was that? Because now I got to go back and find where I made the decision. And one of the things I love about that tool is there are times where it would say, hey, you had promised to send something to someone in an email and we did not see you respond. And on the one hand, I'm like, creepy. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, man, I'm so glad because I completely forgot that I had promised that thing because it's in my sent email, not in my inbox anymore. So love that. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, I've leaned on that too. Like that, and I feel really good about, oh, you know, I have responded to that. Yeah, that's dealt with. Knock it yep. and knocking those out, but you do drop a few if you're too many flying by. So yeah. the fact that the tool will help you there is is kind of useful. It's just a question of you know how far we go with that. Like I could see a manager struggling and going so far down the the sort of Viva Connections path because there are management tiers to that where you get an awful lot of oversight. At the same time, you don't you know. On the IT side of the equation, I'm always wondering, are people able to use the tool? Like, I, I want to know you, you've you gone in there. When we've pushed out a new product to, for the internals to use, I watch the logs to say who's using it, who isn't. Does it does it not suit them? Did they not learn it? Like, what's that about? But at the same time, you don't want to put an onus on anyone. You're like, you're just trying to say, hey, this will genuinely help you. Like, what? how can I get you there? Right. No, it's, it is, parsing logs is tricky and it takes certain personality to come to someone and say, Hey, I've been looking at what you were doing behind your back and, uh, you know, you could be doing it better. Uh, it, it, it and I, I appreciate that there's at least an attempt to start building some tools around taking away the purse, the people scrutinizing you and into, it's just an algorithm that looks at it and says, this is the company expectation. Here's where you are on it. Here's tools to help you get better. Yeah, and I'll be honest. If if there was a way for Viva to do that for the people who reported me, I didn't know about it. And I'll be honest, I don't I don't have time for that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a whole other set for you to learn too, right? Right. They they talk about like micromanaging managers. I'm like, I ain't got time for that. I got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> I trust I trust that all of my people are are grown adults, and if they've committed to things, they're going to do their best. And me micromanaging them doesn't help anybody, and it wastes my time. <laughs> so yeah, I have to wonder if the tool's clever enough to say, "Are you micromanaging this person?" Like I noticed this several <laughs> emails an hour. I, well, oh God, wouldn't that be nice? Because I, I think sometimes people don't have that self awareness. I don't even know they're doing it on purpose. It's just maybe it's behavior they've always been modeled. Like they've always seen people do that. So they thought that was the right way. Right. And I think this is one of the strengths of the tool in the first place, just like the reminders of you said this, you know, did you follow up on it? Is this the, that sort of dispassionate digital third party being able to observe and just give you some coaching points? Did you notice that? You know, I, I like the little chart that comes back and says, you meet with this person the most, then this person, the next most, this person was like, maybe I am spending too much time with that particular person. Like, why am I putting that much time in? 
Yeah, especially when you're reacting to all this asynchronous stuff. Sometimes you may you may meet with someone 20 times in a week and not even realize it because you're just yeah, I know. Oh, I'm going to pull you into an ad hoc Teams meeting. I feel like ad hoc team meetings are most of my time. Yeah, um, and they're not. It's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's easy to lose track because it's like it's five o'clock. Where did my day go? Like, turns out you got pulled into 20 unplanned meetings. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like. I wonder again. I haven't seen the tool ever do this to me because I tend to. Ha- schedule pretty far in advance it's like the, half your meetings are within an hour of them being scheduled like do you need more planning time yeah yeah oh my gosh that i mean that's where like you know d- data intelligence is is insanely useful mm-hmm. i mean it's also scary like you said because there could be some really not good applications but God, now you want me to you're, you're making me want to like go dig back into the dashboard and like nerd out on the data about how i work now <laughs> Yeah, and interesting that you're thinking about your work as as well as the whole part of how does it help your team. Yeah, but uh, it we are in an interesting time, I think, with the the side effect of all that remote work and using the cloud. Like Microsoft has a sort of unprecedented view of all of our workers, effectively, and uh, try and trying to use it judiciously, not in a way that feels like 1984. <laughs> Right. Uh, Angela, somehow in a half hour disappears with you, which the, the joke, of course, is when we actually get time to hang out, which we have not been able to do. This is pretty much the same conversation. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on again and uh, great insights about helping to cultivate people and, and to understand where they're at. So you, you get to report how your team's doing, too. You, you, you've got your, the same responsibilities going upstairs. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I love nerding out on metrics i love nerding out on how to support people and how to be a good nurturing manager so any anytime awesome stuff uh thanks so much for coming on the show and we'll talk to you next time on run as radio